Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. So turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, and we'll get there in just a minute. The last few weeks as we've been talking about this series, Everything is Spiritual, we've looked at a couple of different things, and so I want to kind of set the stage for you just so that you understand where we're going today. In the first week, we asked, how do I worship? And the truth is that worship is a lifestyle of submission and obedience, and we talked about what that means. We talked about there's some myths around worship. And we make worship about ourselves, where we get very selfish when it comes to worship, whether it's music selection or, or whatever it might be. We, uh, then last week, we talked, how do I worship? And we talked about worship being a lifestyle of just passionately pursuing Jesus, of intentionally pursuing Jesus, um, and then sacrificially pursuing Jesus. For those of you that paid attention, I didn't get to the last point, which was just doing it daily. And so we want to always be in the state of mind or always understand that we are worshiping Jesus. Today, we're going to look at three different days in history. We're going to look at three different days, but before we do, I want you to kind of think for a moment about a day that really impacted you. I want you to remember a day that everything changed. I mean, we all have these in our mind, and and some of them have probably already started to flutter through your mind. Some of them you remember specifically that day. I want you to just take a minute and think about what that day was. For some of us, it was the day that everything changed and we got that news. That news we, we didn't expect. Some of us, it was the day we found out we're moving. We're like, again, I was just getting used to everybody in my school. Some of you, it might have been the day that you were rejected. And you remember that day. For some of you, it might have been the day that he died or that she died. And you remember that day. And the day is so impacting, you remember where you were. You remember what kind of shirt you had on. And for some of those memories that resonate deep within us, you can even remember how the room smelled. And there's these different days in your life and in my life that they change everything. And today I want to look at three different days in history that change everything. Now you might be asking, I thought this was about worship. It is. You have to stay with me. And I promise I'll wrap it up to explain how all of these days impact the way that we worship. So uh, if you turn to your Bibles, Genesis chapter 3, or your app, Genesis chapter 3, this is in verse 1. I'm going to start reading. This is out of the ESV. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Speaking of the servant, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. 
But God said, You shall not eat of the tree of the fruit that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eye, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was there with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we gather. We gather to corporately worship together as a faith family, and we pray that today, that um, as we have worshiped with you, that you've prepared our hearts to be receptive of what you want us to teach, uh, want us, what you want us to learn from your word. I pray that you give me boldness as I teach it. I pray that um, it would fall on good soil and that what seeds are planted today would grow. And I pray that we would become closer to you and that our lives would demonstrate a deeper sense of worship because of the truths that are revealed today. And we ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, you may not remember the day that I just read. I mean, if you do, you look really good for your age. I mean, that's all I'm saying. I mean, because this is thousands of years ago, right? I mean, and that day might not mean a whole lot to you, but let me tell you something. God remembers that day. That day changed everything. See, God remembers that day because that was the day that sin entered the world. And because of sin, that was the day that separation between God and man happened. Isaiah the prophet kind of clarifies this on a deeper level to me in Isaiah 59. I think it's verses 1 and 2. And it says this, The Lord's hand is not shortened that He cannot save, nor is His ear heavy that He cannot hear you. But your sins have separated you from your God, and your transgressions have hid His face from you that He will not hear you. I read that for the first time about 15 years ago, or I read it and understood it. See, this day changed everything in history because it was this day where God created this perfect creation, this perfect place for man and woman to live, to multiply, to have dominion over the beast of the air, the beast of the ground, the sea. He gave dominion over everything. He put them in a perfect place, and He said, I want you to live life, live life to its fullest. The Bible tells us this, that God even showed up and walked around. Later on in the same chapter, it says that God shows up in the cool of the day. I don't know when that is. It's probably not in the hot of the day. And he walks with man. That relationship, the reason he created man out of dust was so that he could be in communion with him, so he could be in a relationship with him. But that day changed everything. There's a Hebrew word that describes God, and it's kadosh. So I'm going to teach you some Hebrew today. I want everybody to say kadosh. Say it again. Say it one more time. Okay, now listen, guys. I don't ask you to talk back to me a lot. I have told you that when you get excited and you say good preaching or, man, you're good looking or whatever, and maybe only Ashley should say that part, but um, I want you to speak back to me, okay? So that was really weak because of a point I would have liked to make. All right, so we're going to try it again. Say the word again in Hebrew. 
Say it one more time. One more time. There's a scripture in, the, um, in Isaiah that says this. That these beasts stand in the presence of God. And they say, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh is the Lord God Almighty. Who was, who is, and who is to come. We translate the word Kadosh, holy, holy, holy. You see, that was the day that the holiness of God fragmented him from his creation because of sin. See, that day changed everything. The day of sin. The second thing, the second day I'd like to talk to you about is in Leviticus. This is in Leviticus. If you want to turn there, it's in the 16th chapter. And this is the Day of Atonement. Leviticus is a good read if you uh, suffer from insomnia. Um, uh, some of you have never read it, so that's why you're not laughing. I'll never forget um, when in high school and I could not sleep at night, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to open the book of Leviticus. And, uh, but then, uh, as I grew and matured, I realized that Jesus is on every page of Scripture. So now when I read Leviticus, I'm like, okay, i got to find him. That's my mission because this book is nothing but blood and guts and dead animals. And I am like, what is going on here? And I look for Jesus on every page. Leviticus chapter 16. This is what Scripture teaches us. This is, I'm going to read from verse 2 and then 15 to 16 and 29 to 30. If you want to take in the whole chapter, just read it when you get home. It'll be, read it to your kids. It's some pleasant reading. Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come up at any time into the holy place inside the veil. Let me tell you what just happened. Two of Aaron's sons decided to go into the veil without permission, and God struck them dead. Died. D-I-E-D. I mean, would that not freak you out? I've been like, no, hey, Moses, you go in there. Don't tell me when to go in there. I'm not going into the holy place. This is what Scripture teaches. Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come up at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Verses 15 and 16. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. We're picking it up in verse 29. And it shall be a statute for you forever. In the seventh day, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall not do work, either in the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord of your sin. Uh, from all your sin, excuse me. And you probably don't remember that day. Once again, long time ago. But God does. The Day of Atonement was the one day where the children of Israel, after much sacrifice, after a very, what we would look at as an awkward form of worship, they would then celebrate and they would worship. And, and this is what happened. One man, one time a year, was able to enter the presence of God. One man, one time a year was able to enter into the presence of God. And it was only after much sacrifice and much rituals. And, and, and it's this, and let me, and I think for God, it's the one day a year where he looks and he can look on his people again. Because 
The atonement has taken place. There's a festival that kind of bumps up to this, and it takes about 10 days. And the children of Israel for 10 days would just do a lot of self-reflection. They would do a lot of deep introspection. The word they use is Sukkot. And they would look at their lives of the previous year. I'm telling you, some of you, me, I just need to take some personal inventory this afternoon. We need to just look at how we're treating people. We need to look at how we're loving people. We need to look at how we are leading and serving our families. Some of us, it would do us a whole lot of good to see how we're talking to our wives or how we are building up and talking to our husbands. And look at how, and just do some reflection on how am I living life. After this day of introspection, about 10 days, after these 10 days of self-reflection, there would be sacrifices all day long and the children of Israel and then Aaron would pass behind this curtain the historian Josephus and this is in actually the second temple but he says that the temple was um, there's this curtain that separates the holy place from the holy of holies where God says he's going to show up at and the Bible tells us a historian named Josephus says that the, the curtain was so strong that you could put two horses on either end and it couldn't be ripped. He also says that the curtain was probably four inches thick at minimum. So just hold your hand like this. That's how thick-ish the curtain is that separates God's presence from His people. One time a year, one man was allowed to enter into the presence of God. You may not remember that day, but I know that God does. Mark chapter 15. Once you turn your Bible there or your app there, <clears throat> this is verse 33. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it, behold, he is calling Elijah. And some of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on the reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. <coughs> and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way, he breathed his last breath. He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. And you may not remember that day. I hope if you're in this room today that that day means something special to you. But I want to try to help you understand what it means to God. See, that day, the day of the crucifixion, was the day that the penalty of sin was finally paid in full. See, that day, there was a great cost when, when God had to allow His own Son to die so that you and I could be looked at as righteous in His eyes. I can't even begin to count the cost 
See, sin entered the world and there was a cost to sin. And this is a lot of us need to do some self-introspection because we justify some of the sin that's in our life. We do. About a year ago, I'm walking through um, a, uh, um, a major failure of a, of a, a pastor. And um, he was involved in an ongoing affair. And he's talking me through this one day, and this is what his words were. And some of you are going to be offended by it, but I, I wasn't because I, I, I'm going to tell you why. He said, I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never tried a drug. I've never drank a beer. And I was a virgin when I got married. He said, it was just something that happened. It was something that I did. It was a mistake that I made. Now this is what we do. If you're anything like me, I just justify it. I'm like, you know what? Like, that's just the one thing I do. I'm just a little hard on people. Or I'm just, I really, I'm really tough on my kids. Or, you know what, when me and Ashley and I, and we have our intense moments of fellowship, I mean, it's usually because she was wrong anyway. This rarely happens, but I like to still think that it's true. And that's what we do. We justify these little things. You know what, worrying, man, if I don't worry, then nobody else is going to. You know, I, I'm a pretty stressful person, um, and you know, I, but stress keeps me on my toes. And we continue to justify these things that are in our life because I don't know that we reflect enough on the cost of that sin. See, when God looks at me, He doesn't say, ah, that's Pastor Ronnie, GGTK. He's a good guy to know. That guy studies his Bible. He prays for people. You know what? He sacrificially gives. He doesn't look at me and see my works. He looks at me and sees Jesus. Because I've placed my faith in Jesus. Sin enters the world. One man, one time a year, gets to enter the presence of God. And because of what Jesus did, the Bible tells us that the curtain that separated the holy place from all of us was ripped in two. It was ripped in two. Allowing us now to be in the presence of God all the time, every day. I want you to think about today. What if we looked at one more day and what if we decided that today was an important day in all of our history? What if we decided that today was the day that we were going to live in the Spirit all the time, making a conscious effort to be submissive to what God wants to do in our lives and being filled with the Holy Spirit? This is what Galatians chapter 5 says. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. 
Let me just tell you something. My kids, they know when I've been reading and studying Scripture. They know when that walk is consistent. My kids know when I'm spending time in prayer. Ashley, she's my best friend. She knows if I'm walking with Jesus. You know when you are and when you're not. You gratify the sinful desires of our flesh. For the desires, picking it back up in verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law, which should freak you out unless you are once a year sacrificing bulls or something. And you know that two horses couldn't tear that curtain apart, but loved it. You see, God remembers that day because He rips that curtain from top to bottom and He says, now everybody that calls upon the name of Jesus can live in my presence. Now everybody that calls upon the name of Jesus can live walking in the Spirit. Oftentimes we live life without fully understanding or living understanding what these implications are. We, this is what the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. It should be it, the challenges that we face usually are because we do not walk in submission to the Holy Spirit. I've heard many people tell me this, and if you have, man, don't, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I've heard people tell me this you know what? When I get to heaven, I got a list. I want to talk to David. I want to say, David, what were you feeling when you're standing before the giant? How did that make you feel? Man, were you scared? Were you nervous? Some people are like, you know what? I want to talk to Noah. Like, man, Noah, how bad did the ark smell? I mean, I mean, were you like just up into your, you know, your shoulders in like, you know, elephant dung? I mean, how bad was it? And some of you were like, you know what, I can't wait to talk to Peter. Like, Peter, man, me and you are alike. I always put my foot in my mouth too, man. I mean, me and you should be friends. And we, this is what we say. I can't wait to meet these people. I can't wait to meet Esther. Esther, did you really think you might die when you entered into the king's presence? And th- th- this, this is what we say. I lost my water. This is what we say. I can't wait. I have all these questions, these list of questions that I want to ask. if I were to tell you that those same heroes in the Old Testament and the New Testament prior to the day of Pentecost are going to come up to you and they would say, Caleb, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you? Haley, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you every day? Melody, what was it like to know that God was speaking right to you all the time? See, we have this list of questions that we think we want to ask, but they're going to want to ask you and I the same question. What was it like to have God living on the inside of you? To bring it back to our series, what was it like for everything to be spiritual? What was it like for everything that you do 
to be worship. See, worship in worshiping Jesus is a discipline, but it's you have to be cognizant of. Because right now we are all worshiping something. You are worshiping something right now. Some of you are worshiping lunch, right? You are gratifying your flesh right now because you're like, when is this pastor going to close his hole so that I can go and get some pizza, right? And it's your, 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 you're worshiping that. Some of you right now, you're worshiping your finances. You're so stressed out, you're like, I wonder if this guy's going to pass a bucket today. I mean, is he going to ask for my money later? And, uh, or you're like, you know what, if I don't pay that bill on Monday, I, I, will our electric get shut off? Is that Monday or can I pay it by Tuesday? And some of you right now are worshiping your finances. They consume you. Some of you are in a relationship that you know is unhealthy and you're not doing anything to repair it and you're worshiping yourself. Everything is spiritual. We are always worshiping. We have to make sure that we're always worshiping Jesus. Religion says, I obey. I do all these rules. Therefore, I am accepted by God. The gospel says, I am accepted by God through what Jesus has done for me. We don't obey out of ritual and obligation. We walk in obedience to God out of love. Because of what He has done for you and I. One of my favorite scriptures, and Andrew will throw it up, is Psalms 139. It says this, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You searched out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hend me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? Worship is all about falling in love with God. It's simple. Worship is all about walking in submission to God. Worship is all about walking in grace. A grace that I don't fully understand. A grace I try to give to others and try to walk in. Worship is all about walking in in truth. Worship that truly honors God, it prompts us to live for God. Authentic worship is our natural response to a proper understanding of God. I'm going to close. Before I do, I'm going to read to you out of Romans. And I want to sum up just a few things today. Sin is real. We all exist in, in, in a form, the, the body, the soul, and the mind. Okay, and, and like when you see me, and this isn't how I'm going to exist forever. There, there's a spirit man that lives on the inside of me that will exist for eternity. This body is going to continue to fall apart. I did something to my elbow this week. I still have no idea what it is. I woke up and it wouldn't work. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? 
I don't know what I did. And Ashley is probably like working on some MMA moves while I'm sleeping or something. That's the only thing I can figure out. I know this body is going to continue to fall apart. But the spirit that lives on the inside of me is immortal. It will live for eternity. And I'm always going to be battling my flesh and my spirit. I'm always going to be battling, hey, do I make the right choice and live in a worshipful way that honors Jesus? Or am I going to gratify the desire of my flesh that is so selfish, that is so self-centered, that is so self-seeking? I get to choose. Will I walk in the Spirit or will I walk in the flesh? But I want to speak grace over you today. And some of you, 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 you're like, I, you have a laundry list of things, of failures, of mistakes. Some people have skeletons in their closet. I got an entire graveyard in mine. I mean, it's bad. It's a deep closet. It's a walk-in closet with like five rooms. I have all these things that I would carry with me every day if I wouldn't allow Jesus to forgive me today. Some of you, that's where you need to be. You just need to ask Jesus today, hey, Jesus, just forgive me. Jesus, some of you have never put Jesus in the right place. For some of you, Jesus is a thing. He's somebody that has some of your time. If you fraction it out, there's 168 hours in a week. You give Jesus, you know, one-sixteenth on a good week. And Jesus wants all of you. See, when, when, when the curtain ripped from top to bottom, now you and I have direct access to God. We don't have to go to another guy and ask him to ask for forgiveness. Some of you are under the false impression that I got a clearer line to God than you do. It's not true. He loves you as much as he loves me. And, and we have this idea that worship and Jesus are a part of our life instead of all of our lives. Some of you today are beating yourself up over mistakes. Let me, I'm going to tell you two different things. One, if you are a follower of Jesus, what I'm about to tell you is truth that you need to study all day or every day this week. You need to meditate on it. If you are not a follower of Jesus and you've never put Jesus in his right spot, which is the Lord of your life, the King, he's the CEO, the boss, he's in control of all things. If he is not in that place for you, if you've never made him in that place, you've never given him your life, this doesn't apply. And it can apply. All you have to do is say, Jesus, today I make you Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to step out of heaven and step into my heart. And may I never be the same. It's simple. And you don't have to say those exact words. Make them your own. But I want to read this scripture to you. This is in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read you four verses, maybe more. Romans chapter 8 says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. When, 
what wind shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of the God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are loved lavishly. You are forgiven frequently. And you can walk in grace continually. Some of you are still sitting there right now playing the deserve game. Well, I don't know that I deserve it. I really, you have no idea the graveyard that's in my closet. Jesus came and he died so that you could live in a right relationship with God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.